The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I'm your host, Sarah Warmby. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Jan Caldwell. Jan has been an advanced practice wound ostomy continence nurse for 40 years. Her practice has been at the University of Chicago Medicine where her primary responsibilities have been the care of patients with fecal and urinary diversions and managing the outpatient ostomy clinic. She is a past president of both the WOCN Society and Friends of Ostomans Worldwide USA. Jan is the co-editor of the ostomy section of the Journal of Wound Ostomy and Continence Nursing. She has edited two textbooks in ostomy care has multiple publications related to ostomy care, and has lectured on ostomy patient management nationally and internationally. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jan. So let's start with how would you define your role as an advanced practice WOC nurse? Nursing can be a little tricky with definitions of roles because we have so many different educational opportunities. But as an advanced practice nurse, I am master's prepared. I am certified as a wound ostomy incontinence nurse. And in the state of Illinois, that allows me then to apply for an advanced practice nurse license. So that's what an APN, or now we're actually calling ourselves APRN, it's a um, master's prepared and certified in your area of specialty. And the state of Illinois sees the CWCN as a certification. So it may differ from each state, and someone who is thinking about becoming an advanced practice nurse needs to see what that definition is and what the regulations are in each state. When I went to school, and it was some years ago, I chose in my master's program to do a clinical nurse specialist program, and that's because I believe what I bring to the table are clinical skills for my patient population. There are a few other ways to go as an advanced practice nurse, and one of them is nurse practitioner. And to be frank with you, when I went to school in the 80s for an advanced degree, there wasn't at the time a nurse practitioner role. So that's why I did the CNS. I would say the majority of people nowadays who are looking for advanced roles, both in WC nursing and outside of that, are going the nurse practitioner role. I think it's well-defined now, and it's certainly well-defined by many of the state licensure boards. It's a master's program, either an NP or a CNS in the state of Illinois, and in most states it's an NP, which is a master's prepared program. Some are now looking at DNPs, which is the doctor of nursing practice, as well as an advanced practice nurse. So we're always talking master's prepared here, and in some instances we're talking doctorally prepared. And I, it's going to be hard to see what happens in the future for um, advanced practice nursing roles. I think that the majority of the programs will go the DNP route. And the reason I say that is if you look at our colleagues in other uh, disciplines, and I think physical therapy is a great example, entry level for them now is doctorally prepared program. The same thing for pharmacy. So I think that in the future, that's probably the way we'll see nursing go as well. So that's that's really the kind of layout of those different advanced practice nursing roles. 
is so helpful, especially since um, getting an advanced degree is, is so encouraged nowadays. Um, so thank you for sharing that information. Mm -hmm. So what made you pursue this area of WC nursing as far as being an advanced practice WC nurse? I've been doing this for some time, and as I was developing my practice, especially in the 80s, I could see the change in practice. Our patients were just much, much more acutely ill, and we were just not managing their ostomy or their wounds. You are managing the person who has it. And I knew for myself that I didn't have the skills in order to do that. I thought it was very important for me to get my skill set up another notch, understand medications better, when to send people for diagnostic tests, or man understanding the medicines they would use um, as relates to their ostomy output or skin care issues. And the other challenge for me was not having prescriptive authority. I knew what was needed for the patients, or I thought I knew what was needed for the patients, but I'd be calling another clinician, and I'd be convincing them that this is what needed to happen. And not that that was a huge problem. I had worked with the clinicians for a long period of time. They recognized my skill set. But why would I be going to someone else when I knew exactly what to do? So I knew that I needed to um, get that prescriptive authority. I knew that getting the APN uh, license was going to be important. So that meant that I needed to get my master's degree. So when I went to graduate school, I was able to get courses that helped me with wound healing and with consonance issues that would then allow me to eventually sit for certification. So I was in one of those early groups that didn't go to a program that had W, O, and C in it. I had to get the W and C myself and then petition the board to allow me to sit for certifications. What would you say would be the most challenging aspect of, of this role? I think the business side of it for me, and it may be that I never had any of that education in school, but honestly, I don't think as nurses we get a lot of the business end. So understanding the whole billing process and what it entails is and remains challenging to me. I, what I have found is I have to find the people who do the billing, who do the coding, and spend a lot of time with them, and I did that at the beginning of my practice. One of the references that just came out recently that I would refer people to, so the Journal of Woundostomy and Continence Nursing, and I believe it was in our last journal, so that would be sometime mid-2019 journal, has two articles on billing for WOC nurse uh, purposes for APN and for non-APN. The articles are excellent, but when you start to read them, you realize how much depth there is to the billing process. And I would refer anyone to those two articles if they're looking for more information. Because my charts, once a year, get audited for compliance with billing regulations. And if I've not met the threshold, which I believe is 90% of my charts need to be at the level they're supposed to, I need to sit down and take some other classes. I need to sit down with the billers and to kind of make sure I understand what I should be doing because my charting supports the billing level. So there's a lot to learn about billing. And to me, that remains kind of the most challenging aspect of my role. I think it's really awesome that you were able to sit down with billing and have them kind of go through their process so it helps you understand your process with billing. That's a great opportunity. Yeah, it is. And um, 
And it's not so easy because they speak a whole different language. So it's uh, not just one sit down, it's several sit downs, but it's really important to get to know that person because really even now I still have billing issues. I think a good example is we have a G-tube clinic and we change out the low profile tubes on our people with permanent uh, G-tubes. Well, that's a procedure versus a what they call evaluation and management code. And how exactly do I do that? And just the other day, I sat down with my billing person before I put my billing codes together. I said, you know, I haven't done one of these in a while. Help me. Am I doing it right? So having that ongoing relationship with that person is really important. And what would you say is the most rewarding part of your role as an advanced practice WOC nurse? I think it's the autonomy in that role, being able to do everything that I need to do for my patient that I feel qualified to do. So I now have the ability, if I see a fungal rash, I can write a prescription for that. I am their provider for their ostomy supplies. So what that means is Medicare patients on a yearly basis need to have, it's not really a prescription, it is a um, verification that they need supplies. So what happens is on a a yearly basis, every one of my patients who I'm their provider for ostomy supplies, I get a a form from the provider of their their DME, so their um, supply companies. It allows me to review what they're using, make sure that what they're using is appropriate based on the usage or help, or I'll see, holy cow, this person is looking now for more than 20 pouches a month, there must be a problem, I can bring those people in. I wouldn't have gotten that before if I wasn't the provider. It would have been perhaps the surgeon who just signs off for everything because they don't really understand what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So I really like that. I think the other thing that um, I find rewarding is we have a freestanding ostomy clinic. So we, of course, see the patients at U of C that have surgery but we're one of the few uh, freestanding ostomy clinics in the city. So we get referrals from outside the hospital. And I get referrals for patients who have not seen an ostomy nurse before. They're amazed at the service that we provide. They had their ostomy, they got a little bit of teaching in the hospital, maybe had a home care nurse, maybe didn't, and suddenly were on their own and had absolutely no idea that there were other products out there. They were trying to make that post-op pouch work. They didn't know what to do when their pouch came off three times a day. When they come in clinic, and we just start at the beginning, and at the end, you just see they're relaxed. They're like, ah, I get it. I can do this. That is so rewarding for me to be able to help that person who just had no support early on. And what a valuable resource for the community that you're in to be able to see patients outside of your institution because there are not many ostomy clinics in, in this in you, the U.S. So you are so right. It's, it, it's it, a very yeah. great resource that you have there. Yeah. And I actually find that interesting when you talked about um, how you're able to see on the provider side what patients are needing in their supplies, and you can see that someone's ordering way too many and you haven't seen them. Right. And it's not something that as a WOC nurse can see. And it, it's actually very challenging for a WOC nurse to help with supplies sometimes because they have to go through the provider. But when you're a provider, you're able to take care of it a little Absolutely. bit quicker. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's made a world of difference because, as you say, you pick up problems. But, you know, so much of what we do is product-related. And so having, even if I don't get to see that patient every year, getting that form, I at least can interface and say, ooh, that's a lot of products, or, you know, I haven't seen that person in a long time. Maybe I need to give them a call. So uh, 
that whole piece for the provider is good. I think the downside maybe to it is how much clerical work a provider needs to do. And what we've learned now after having our clinic for, you know, 15 plus years is this is a role that needs to be supported by a clerical person. I can't be in clinic five days a week seeing patients and have the paperwork that supports the patient supplies, the prior approvals for prescriptions that I've done, you know, the faxing of results from other places. And so I started to take one day for paperwork and realized this paperwork doesn't need to be done by me. So we had to put together a whole proposal that talked about getting a medical assistant who has enough knowledge about what we do that she can flag things for us and she can take care of the faxes and just show them to us and say, listen, you haven't seen this person since this time or that time, or take some of the phone calls from the patients who call and say, I didn't get enough supplies this month, what am I supposed to do? Not that I don't want to help them do that, but having a clerical person kind of sift through all the issues and then sit down with me on my, my Thursday when I sit down and go through all my papers has made a big difference. So once a practice gets as big as ours, having support for some of those things becomes important and it was not at all obvious to me at the beginning. Oh, sure, mm-hmm. I can do all that stuff. Yeah, you really can't. It can't do it well. But having someone support you clerically is really important. Which is also a resource for patients if they call in and they need to ask you a quick question about supplies, that person could essentially help too. And that's exactly how we utilize her. So, you know, I have voicemail and we have something called uh, MyChart, uh, which is a app for our patients to communicate with us. And our medical assistant goes through my voicemails, my emails, and we call it InBasket. That's how it shows up for us. And she sorts through the things she knows she can help with. And she might make that initial call to the patients and say, tell me what the issue is so I can talk to Jan about this. She spends a little bit of time with us in clinic every now and then so she can appreciate what the patients are going through and she knows the questions to ask. She's simply gathering information. She's making no decisions, but that gathering of information, and you've probably had this happen to you before. The patient calls, Jan, I know you're really busy, but I just have this real quick question for you. And I always feel guilty when they say that because I, I, sure, we're all busy, but oh man, do they have to say that? And now my voicemail says, if you have any issues related to supplies, that our MA, Joanna, can help you, please call this number. So it tends to be more clinical issues for me now on voicemail, and she gets all of them. So it's it's been a lot of help, I think, to our patients as well as to us. For someone interested in becoming an APNWC nurse, how much and what type of experience do you recommend prior to pursuing this area? The majority of people I have worked with who have gone this route have been a WOC nurse first and then went for their advanced practice licensure, their master's. But it's interesting because I've had um, some uh, NP students with me recently. So I precept for the University of Illinois at Chicago. uh, And they'll send me some of their NP students. And they're there simply for role implementation to see how I've implemented an advanced practice role because I was educated as a CNS, so I can't precept totally for them as an NP. And what I'm starting to see now is a lot of the advanced practice nurses, NPs in particular, see the value for being a certified wound and ostomy care nurse because it broadens their scope. 
They don't learn about wound care. They don't learn about ostomy care, and there's very few people doing continence care. So a lot of them now say to me, I think I'm going to pursue minimally wound care and perhaps ostomy incontinence to make myself more well-rounded because wound ostomy incontinence tends to be very, very nurse-focused. There's not a lot of physician in this area. So I started to see more NPs consider getting that certification and that education. And there are even, I think, maybe one WOC program left that offers graduate credits. So some people are searching that out. So where I would have said to you maybe a few years ago, the way to go here would be getting your WOC education and your certification down pat. And then if you really enjoy that and want to expand that more to get an APN license, i.e. get a master's degree as a CNS or an NP, I'm now starting to see it go the other way as well, which is great. I, I think that... Um, there's so many opportunities nowadays for advanced practice nurses, nurse practitioners in particular, that they're starting to look at good ways to market themselves and understand that having those skills would be very helpful. Absolutely. So the type of experience, if, if um, a nurse would want to go into WOC nursing prior to being an NP, for instance, how many years of experience or um, what particular experience would you recommend for them? Well, I, you know, I think that med surge experience, period. But if we're kind of like looking at the um, kind of NP role, it would be more that family nurse practitioner that I think would probably fit best into WOC because they'd be able to do that practice is a bit broader. However, I've had a few oncology nurse practitioners work with me. And when you think about it, that makes sense. We've got skin care issues with a lot of the therapies that the oncology patients go through. Many of the oncology patients have ostomies, and certainly there's some continence issues as well. So I'm starting to see a few more of the oncology people uh, think about it as well. And recently had a um, pediatric uh, nurse practitioner uh, spend some time and decide to go at least into ostomy care. She was gonna work with a surgical group. So um, I think people are slowly looking at our area and seeing how it can complement their practice. Absolutely. So what advice do you have for a WC nurse as it relates to advanced practice? So my advice is to consider what the future looks like for their practice. If this is a WC nurse who's relatively young, sees that they've got 20 plus years left in their practice, I would strongly support them going back and getting an advanced degree as either a nurse practitioner or in some instances CNS that's still offered and becoming an advanced practice nurse. I think that's the future for us as WOC nurses. It will give us the further autonomy to practice by ourselves. It will give us prescriptive authority, the ability to write for diagnostic testing and to do more complete care. And as I mentioned before, to do the whole billing piece, I think is important fiscally. Certainly if someone was going out and practice by themselves, they would need to be able to bill. But again, economically, I think bringing to the business plan the fact that you can bill as an advanced practice nurse is going to help us get more outpatient ostomy clinics. You know, ostomy outpatient clinics have struggled because of reimbursement issues. And probably our biggest issue, which is not always taken care of by being an APN, 
is the fact that our patients who have brand new ostomies fall into what's called a global period. So the patients, insurers, pay for their surgery and pay for all of the care for 90 days out. It's a flat fee. So that means the patients who come back to see me do not get charged to see me for the first 90 days. And of course, when do they need me the most? They need me the most then. So there's a fee called facility fee. It kind of covers, you know, the use of the room and the lights. It's a very nominal fee. That gets charged, but a professional fee does not get charged for me for 90 days out. So when a person sets up a clinic, they need to know that early on and to publicize that clinic for more than just post-operative follow-up. Because the way that we break even in our clinic and perhaps even make some money is the volume of patients that we see is not just limited to our post-operative patients. It's that ongoing problem solving. It's that advertising our services outside the institution so that we can charge the patients who are coming from other institutions. So having that ability to charge is great, but you have to be realistic and you have to know that the volume is what's going to drive income and we see between 40 and 50 patients a week in our clinic there's two of us and that helps us to to make that difference so the setup of an ostomy clinic i think is critically important and i am lucky to work at a place who believes that having an ostomy clinic whether it makes money or not is the right thing to do for patients so in that way i'm i'm very happy but That's not always the philosophy everywhere. Sometimes they just can't support it financially. So it needs to be APN driven and it needs to have a good mix of patients as well. So in closing, you've provided a great deal of information about what it's like to be an advanced practice WOC nurse in an outpatient setting. And I know our audience is just dying to know, um, and myself included, what would be the first step uh, that you would recommend for someone considering to becoming an APN? Uh, WOC nurse? Well, I think they need to, first of all, recognize that this is their passion. This is something that they want to do on an ongoing basis because there's pitfalls here. There's achieving education, developing the role, finding the right place. And it's the passion that I think drives us all. And I think it's rare that I don't find a WOC nurse who doesn't have a passion for what we do. But keeping that passion alive sometimes can be difficult when you're going to school and you have a family and you have a full-time job and you have financial issues related to it. So I think just reminding ourselves over and over again what drives us to do what we do. And I think talking with the supportive people around you is really important as well. Knowing that as you go through this, there is a role for an APN at your institution. And if there isn't, knowing that up front and knowing that you may be stepping outside of your institution. To give you an example, we have 300 advanced practice nurses at the University of Chicago. They support other people's practices, and there's some of us who have our own practices. So knowing what the environment around you is is extremely important. I was one of those first APNs, so there wasn't a lot of people around me, but if someone was starting now, looking at an institution that supports advanced practice nursing, looking for who is the director of that advanced nursing practice program, because that is a relatively new role for most people, and talking to them about the support an advanced practice nurse gets and what might that support look like when they go to school, I think is really important. So 
knowing their passion, keeping their eye on the, kind of that, that goal of being advanced practitioners, but knowing that their support behind them in their institution, I think, is really important as well. Well, thank you so much for all of this valuable information today. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.